you know, it's interesting. It changes your life immediately um, because it gives you a complete different responsibility. But the best part is just seeing them develop and knowing that you're directly part of that process of an entire other person in the world. And it's amazing to see what they grow up into being as they just every single day learn more and more things and we're directly part of that. It's really amazing to see these little humans. Your own children are an incredible gift. There's there's nothing nothing like it. There's nothing I can even even think to compare. You were telling me about this and I've read it other places that you know that, that your children are really a gift to you as the parent more than you are there for your child. Your your children help you really find who you are. They um, they are gifts to us. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, bienvenidos. Have you ever considered a different way of practicing medicine? Whether you are burned out, need a change of pace, or are looking to supplement your income, Locum Tenens might be the solution for you. Not sure where to start? LocumStory.com is the place where you can get real, unbiased answers to your questions. They answer basic questions like, what is Locum Tenens? To more complex questions about pay ranges, taxes, various specialties, and how Locum Tenens can work for you, go to LocumStory.com or DrPodcastNetwork.com forward slash LocumStory and get the answers. Hello, friends, and please welcome our guest for our special Father's Day edition, Dr. Victor Mangona, my husband, the father of my children, the financial guru and real estate extraordinaire, Dr. Victor Mangona. Thanks for coming on. Thank you again for now inviting me into your apartment. <laughs> yes. For we, the summer. We have moved into an apartment for the summer as of two weeks, almost two weeks, two weeks now. Yeah, we have internet, so now it's home. Ah, oh, thank goodness. Okay. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers listening. Happy Father's Day to all the people who have fathers in their lives, whether you have a father, married to a father, love any father in your life. And so let's just get started with a little bit about Victor and how long he has been a father. When did you become a father, Victor? Well, we got Penelope. She was our first fur baby. That was in January of 2016. And then we had our first human baby in July of 2017. So we had a good year and a half with a, with a pup. And then we had our first child. And then 22 months later, we had our second human baby. And we have a third human baby. May come out before this recording gets published. We're 35 and four or five days right now. So. Yeah, 35 and five. Yep. Okay, so you've been, for how many years did you say? Oh, sorry, that was January 2016. So that would be five and a half years since the pup and almost four years from the human. Okay, four years from the human. And what has been the best thing about being a father? Oh, wow. That's, um, you know, it's interesting. It changes your life immediately. Um, because it gives you a complete different responsibility. But the best part is just seeing them develop and knowing that 
you're directly part of that process of an entire other person in the world. And it's amazing to see what they grow up into being as they just every single day learn more and more things and we're directly part of that. It's really amazing to see these little humans have their own personalities, their own characters, um, their own thoughts, and they just surprise me every single day. And the biggest struggle, what's the biggest struggle you've ever had? The biggest struggle with as, as a being a father? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this started with, with our fur baby or if it started with the human babies, or maybe well, it was different. Well, it's certainly different. With the fur baby is getting home on, well, actually it's with all of them is getting home um, to be there. Um, but, you know, it's it's difficult to actually, the biggest challenge now is spending quality time with with them independently um, and prioritizing spending time with all of them as individuals uh, and not uh, just to the the dominant one. And it's very easy for that to happen. (laughs) The dominant one, the one that talks the most. (laughs) The one that is the most demanding of your time, energy, resources, everything. Okay. And so how do you think you've grown from the struggle or changed? Well, just from being a father, I certainly have changed my thought of uh, responsibility overall. Um, It's one thing to be responsible for yourself, but to know that you have other humans that are directly dependent on you uh, changes the way I think about a lot of things. So I'm a lot less, uh, I'm a lot more risk averse in a lot of ways than I used to be um, with my personal health and also just financial things, because I know that um, there are others who depend on me for resources, my time, my energy, but then also the, the fiscal responsibility to be able to support them. Mm, okay. Okay. And we'll get, we'll talk a little bit about more finances when we wrap up. So how has being a father, okay, now two, uh, two human times, almost a third human time, one for baby time, how has this given your life more fulfillment, more meaning? Well, it's, um, it's amazing because now I can basically channel my energy into, it's like you're scaling your your own time and resources into development of others, which is really just absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, to see that these kids are going to hopefully grow up and do things that also have a lot of meaning, um, it's, uh, it's something that you can't tangibly really reproduce in any other fashion than to have, you know, your own children. I mean, your own children are in, an incredible gift. There's, there's nothing, nothing like it. There's nothing I can even, um, even think to compare. Um, I mean, you can certainly do things to help other people, but when one of them is your own, your own child, it's, uh, it's completely different. And um, I remember you know, I think you're, you were telling me about this and I've read it other places that, you know, the, that your children are really a gift to you as the parent mm-hmm. more than you are there for your child. Your, yeah. your children help you really find who you are. They, um, they are gifts to us. Can um, you give an example of how that has been true? Oh gosh. I mean, every single day, I mean, this morning alone, um, I'm packing up my breakfast to go to work and the, the three to f- almost four-year-old, she knows that I'm out of my protein shakes that I drink for breakfast. And she 
opened up the fridge and told me to take her Pediasure's. Oh, she did. She did. She says, Daddy, you're out of shakes. You need to take my Pediasure. Which she usually says, <laughs> No, those are my Pediasure's. But today, like she's maturing literally by the day. And she's so cognizant of so many things. She's way more uh, aware of things going on. Um, her emotional intelligence is unbelievable. It's already way, way more than mine, which doesn't say a lot. <laughs> but she's so aware of things. And she puts those that awareness together and says, here, Daddy, drink my Pediasure's and take them to work with you because you don't have any of your own protein shakes. You ran out. And I don't know how she knew I ran out because I didn't tell anybody, but she probably saw in the the pantry that the box was empty or she might have seen the box uh, get taken out to the recycling or something. But then mm -hmm. she connected that with those are my, my shakes. So... Um, yeah, so she in the morning is like, here, take mine. And it was like, if I didn't have that, then I wasn't going to have protein shakes. And I would have like been starving the whole morning because otherwise I don't really get through uh, to lunchtime. So that's just one example. But it happens all the time that she's so aware of, of my needs. Like she'll even know where my phone is and find it that's for me. Right. And she's been doing that since she was like one years old. Yeah. And without me even necessarily asking for my phone, sometimes she'll just grab it and she'll bring it over. And then there's other times now that she's really sneaky where she takes your phone and hides it in the drawer and she mm -hmm. thinks it's really funny, uh, which it is, um, but she does that now. But she often does know where my phone is and can find it for me. So it's like one extra person to to know where stuff is. Does she know how to push your buttons? Uh, I mean, all toddlers do. I think that's their, their skill set, right? That's what they do because they have to learn how to get what they want. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have a lot of ways to communicate and all people want to get what they want to get. And at that developmental age, they will do whatever they need to, to, to get what they want. They haven't really learned, you know, right mm -hmm. and wrong. And that's part of our jobs to help. Um, but certainly she does. And the more I am consistent, which I think is really the most important thing, the more she understands that um, these are the way things are or, or aren't. Mm -hmm. um, but they very quickly pick up on inconsistency and they will they will leverage that inconsistency. Can you give an example of how she pushes your buttons and how you're consistent? Well, um, if it's bedtime is, for example, the best example. Um, I like to do bedtime myself every single day if I'm going to be in charge of bedtime the difficulty is when different people do bedtime, then there's inherent inconsistency because no matter what I say, different people are not right. going to do it the same way. Which is nearly impossible because you can't quite do bedtime every day. It is nearly impossible. So I can't do bedtime every day. That's correct. So that makes it more challenging. However, when it's my bedtime that or I'm doing it, I try to keep the same routine every single time. And to the point that she at least knows what dad's routine is. And I think that helps. Um, I have, pretty pretty clear rules like once we're in the bedroom we don't leave the bedroom which is a, which is a big one because she likes to follow you out and then we have to start the whole mm -hmm. bedtime thing all over again yeah she does that better for you than she will like gra a grandma yes mm -hmm. but i also every single time she <laughs> comes out of that room i tell her she can't do that a hundred percent of the time because if you what one would the time consequence be i mean i don't punish her um 
I pick her up and we go back into the room mm-hmm. and we close the door. Okay. Um, she can't do that. And she knows that. She's smart enough now that she understands, which is one of the nice things about having somebody who's now four is even though you can't necessarily reason with three and four-year-olds, you can speak to them at their level and they can't understand what you tell them. And then they make the choice of what they're going to do. Whereas, you know, when they're one or two, they might not really understand what you're telling them. Uh, but at this age, she she definitely knows what the rules are. So, Victor, now that we're about to have a third human baby, our third girl, Tres Marias, what what do you prepare? Like, how do you feel more prepared? You feel more prepared for this one, or not? And well, why? <laughs> yes, because I know to not plan on things like when the baby's coming. I think we are more prepared <laughs> now than we ever were ever were for either the first two. The first one came two and a half weeks early, mm-hmm. and as a prima gravida, was very surprising. And then the second one was an entire month early. Yeah, we were so surprised the first one that what happened? Where did we, we were change? out of town? That was not planned. <laughs> well, you did have a suitcase that time. I had a suitcase, but we not were with out the baby time. stuff. Uh, oh, right, and we didn't have a car seat. We yeah. had to send your uncle out to pick up the car seat we wanted. He drove like an hour and a half to deliver the car suite. Thank you, Uncle Roger. Yeah, so you went all the way over to like the one bye-bye baby, like 45 minutes away to pick up a Duna. In Austin, he drove to Austin from San Antonio. We live in Dallas, you guys, y'all. People who aren't from here don't know how far away (laughs) these things are from us. But um, yeah, these individually are huge cities compared to a lot of places, but um, yeah. So we didn't have a car seat for the first child. We were unprepared parents. And then the second one, Kate didn't tell me she was having contractions the entire day. Because that was normal, Victor. I have contractions all the time. I don't have contractions all the time. (laughs) And you don't have contractions all the time. (laughs) You have contractions when you're pregnant. So this time, now that we're past the amount of time that our second child was was in utero, um, every single day, I wonder, is this the day? which is something I never thought about for the first two. And you remind me every single day every not single day. to have the baby. Yes, I say, oh yeah, by the way, don't have the baby. <laughs> On your to-do list, erase, have because the baby. Because I have a lot of patients to see today. Because... Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, because my partner's out of town today. Um, on vacation until Friday. So if you're going to have an early baby, let's wait till Friday. But then we have plans for Saturday. That's right. right. Father's Day plans. Oh, okay. Right. So <laughs> you know what else I'm telling myself is, you know, when you have your first child, when you want to be kind of, um, I don't know, is pragmatic the right word? I don't know the right word. It sounds like it's the right word, but it's probably not the right word. I don't actually know what that means. Um, but practical Really, I, I wanted to get neutral colors. I wanted to get neutral everything because, you know, if you're planning on having a second child, you have a 50% chance of having a having a boy if, after you have a girl. They're completely independent, you know, probabilities in theory, although maybe they're not independent probabilities. Maybe there's a reason why we're only having girls. Um, <laughs> But did we get neutral colors? I mean, a lot of the furniture, all the furniture was neutral. Right. The bedroom was the bedroom a, was a little pink. A little bit pink. White it was mostly gold. white and gray. White and gold. Um, gray, yeah. And gold, mm-hmm. yes. And then we had one girl. Then we had another girl. And we could have had the whole place pink the first time. We could have had, like, the pink <laughs> stroller. 
instead of the black stroller because i mean the duna oh. in pink was really cool mm-hmm. that really did look good and mm-hmm. but i didn't want to get a pink duna because then did i want to i forgot about that i didn't yeah. but once we once we did have the baby we started getting things in pink and right but not like yeah. big ticket items we're talking about like clothing right and then most of our big ticket items we had we got resale we got from the neighborhood yeah you buy them depreciated right? and then you get rid of them depreciated and we've used and them all three times now yeah we will have used Almost. them three yeah <laughs> three times but i would have also actually well actually no in retrospect i probably still wouldn't necessarily recommend it but if we had bought the um snoo four years ago we would have gotten a lot of use out of it yeah i don't know if it was invented then. oh it, it was it, oh, was it was available okay. at the time um, it was expensive though. It had just come out. You couldn't buy it used. Mm. Um, and by expensive, I think it was maybe 700 or $800. That's a thousand. But now it's 1500 bucks. <laughs> I just looked it up the other day because somebody responded to my email and they're like, what's this new? And I sent a link and I was like, oh my gosh, $1,500. This thing has gone two X in price. I don't know if that's due to COVID backups and the increased demand like it is for cars or maybe they've just done so well that now they can charge 2x what they charged before and luckily we bought it from a, a very nice family yes Probably and we bought it bought it used, used for about half of that price it actually looks never used almost yeah i was surprised we got it she had just had the baby like three months prior i'm like you're already done with this um, maybe that's how long people use it for we're gonna see you well know? our i mean we we keep our kids in their infant seat for two years because they don't outgrow their infant seat <laughs> for two years. So was one of the benefits of having very small children is that your things last a lot longer. Um, and yeah, I mean, Catalina is more than two and she can still fit in the, the Duna based on her height and weight. Um, so yeah, we could actually have two kids in infant seats. These aren't even close to being Irish twins. These are literally two years apart, but they could technically still mm-hmm. be in infant now size 25 seats. 25 going on 26 months apart. We'll so, see. yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. We didn't spend that money the first time, even though we discussed it. And But we were broke. We were broke when we had the first child. or That was July 2017. Um, I mean, we weren't technically broke anymore. We had just become not broke around October of 2016, but, um, we, we were barely in the, in the black, barely above positive at this point when, um, two years as an attending. Yeah. We were less than two years working. Mm-hmm. Um, right. so we were broke and I didn't really want to spend $800 on something that I don't know that I don't know if it would have provided us value, but we also had not dealt with having a we a baby know. crying and you know what not everybody needs this new a lot of pe- a lot of people say that you don't need you know and you don't we, need we, we got by without it now With two kids now if if it would have made <clears throat> the nights 10 percent easier then that can provide a lot of value to how us. hard were those nights for you oh they were really hard because <laughs> you didn't sleep at all what? you were up all night long and then you tell me about it the next day i don't know about that you'd be like oh, Victor, I got up twice last night. <laughs> yeah, and then you tell me that, and I'd be like, I don't remember that. Victor's a good sleeper. I. It's actually there are some skills in life that don't ever get put like on a resume. They don't show up on like your bio data. Um, they don't show up on any form of a score sheet that would ever show up in 
applying for a job, but are really valuable for life. And one of those things is being able to sleep anytime, any place, anywhere um, for any duration. That is an unbelievable superpower. Yeah, with all the lights on. Yeah, all the lights and on. And sweltering heat. In any temperature. <laughs> I cannot do that. Any time. Victor, Victor can sweep, sleep at the bottom of the ocean. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so the first child, the biggest change was going from one to two because basically that meant that I had to actually pull around 30% of the weight here. Um, so going from two to three, though, I'm not as worried about because I've already been pulled into the game. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, and we already have systems in place. Like this is the first time in four years that we've had too much childcare because we have both of our kids in school simultaneously while we also have a nanny here all day long waiting for the baby to come. But we can't have her not work because we need to keep our nanny. And she's like one of the most important people in our life. And she uh, does a lot for oh, us. Oh, we love her. And so we need to keep her working. Um, <laughs> and we can't lose our nanny. So we're just paying for the nanny. But she doesn't really have anything to do. You besides, know what? She cooks and she what she helped us organize our entire oh, she, apartment. We find things for her to do and it's fantastic. <laughs> she drops them off, picks them up. I mean, if we had to drop them off and pick them up, we'd be late um, for work. That's a lot of because unfortunately we don't live that close to the, the school. Not not far. I mean, we're spoiled. It's like five miles. But um it's five miles out of the About way for you. Twenty five minutes. Twenty five minutes. Yeah, depending how you go there. If you take the service road. I mean, if I take the highway, it'd be a lot faster. But yeah, it's not like close but it's not far. Yeah, no, we, and my mom is here. So we have my mom and a nanny and the kids are both in school. Yeah, his mom is actually here be just in case we have the baby. Like we didn't do this the first time and we didn't do it the second time. And now we're doing it the third time and the baby's staying inside. All right, maybe is, there's a reason we're over-prepared. It's like bringing an umbrella. <laughs> yeah. If you bring an umbrella, it's not gonna rain. It's yeah. the rules. I'm also- um, There's a saying about that. Older, you know, I'm older, so my ligaments aren't as uh, lax anymore. I'm very confused about this. My PM&R friend, my good PM&R friend told me that's probably why I was, I gave premature, I had premature babies and, and now the third one, I'm just. Well, we're still preterm right now. Oh, okay. You're right. Okay. Okay. What, so what advice would you give your friends or let's say your medical trainees, you know, who are studying to become physicians, radonks, what would you tell them about fatherhood? Well, frankly, anybody should spend a week of their lives on my service, including you <laughs> pediatric oncologists, um, who I, I wish I could get them to spend a week, but um, what well, about fatherhood or work? What, what, what are we talking about? No, again? this just, uh, okay. I want them to go. I want people to spend a week at my job okay. and see all the kids I take care of. Oh, the children you see. Okay. Yes. Come to my job right. okay. for a week and see all of the kids that I see and take care of. Mm -hmm. It will change your life forever. Why is that? Because you palpably see, feel, and hear the mortality of children, but you also see the um, their resilience, okay? But we take way too many things in life for granted, 
And one of the things that almost all people take for granted is the health of children and the um, the survivability that the immortality of children. Most people never think their child's going to die. Although, as any parent will tell you, they're always concerned. Oh, my child could die, or most parents have that concern at some point, um, whether it's crossing the street or going swimming at the pool or or anything. But those are deaths more by accident. Um, as opposed right. to deaths by illness, which are completely different. The most common causes of death between ages one and five are accidents. They're gonna be pools and car accidents, right? But when somebody one to five dies from other causes, it's not expected because the, the human body at that age is, is brand new, right? You've made it past the first year. The things that unfortunately children die from in the first year, once you get past that point, they're, you're, you're, you've kind of made it through the most difficult initial portion. Mm -hmm. um, if a young human has brand new parts, right? You're very unlikely to die from any chronic disease except for cancer, right? You're not gonna die of heart disease at age two unless you have some sort of congenital heart problem, right? But you certainly could die from cancer at age two if you're diagnosed with a cancer that's not congenital. Um, so unfortunately I see a lot of children, um, some are very young and um, they're younger than my kids. I mean, I, I take care of kids who are one, two, three, and four with, with brain tumors and they are getting treatment every day. Um, and I see them and some of them are curative. Some of them are maybe curative with very poor outcomes long-term, but have a chance. Um, there's a wide range and some people definitely are in the palliative category. Um, but when you see kids that you know are going to die, it changes your understanding of the mortality of children. And so um, I really appreciate every day my children are around. It, it's a gift. They, your children are a gift to you, um, seeing them every single day. I know there are other parents who go home from work and don't get to see a kid they had. And I, I try not to take that ever for granted because um, I, I see it happen. I have these conversations with parents. It's not easy. Um, but um, it's interesting when you see a kid and their family go through this process, um, a lot of times um, there, are, there are some good things that come out of tragedies where sometimes families come stronger together. Other times the exact opposite happens. But um, there are definitely people who become much stronger people. <clears throat> once, once they're faced with mortality, they start to appreciate things in life a lot better. Um, you interviewed the paradox uh, a while ago. That mm -hmm. was probably, that might be my favorite episode, um, at least since the maybe the very, very beginning. Um, because that was very meaningful to what I do. Um, but yeah, the the amount of of um, emotional um, growth that people go through through this process is is really powerful. And so I think about that all the time. And you don't think probably how much I think about it, but I think about it all the time. And so I have difficulties with the kids all the time. I try to always change my mind, my mindset and shift over to, to that. And I think about how many 
how many other parents or how I would feel, you know, you ask people, what would you give to have one more day with your kid? You know, um, and I would take the crying and the tantrums all over again. If I, if the option was that versus not having my kid around, um, because those tantrums, those are, that's their, that's their development. That's part of who they are at where they are. Like you don't get upset with a dog for, for jumping on the furniture when they're a puppy. I mean, you train them not to do it, but that's what they're going to do, right? You, you just train them. It's not, this is who they are. And we, we train them to, to model the behaviors we want them to, but that's their inherent, um, um, plan to, to do these different things. That's kind of built into our normal development. It's really interesting that as I've watched the kids develop and I see them do things, I wonder where they get these behaviors from, because even before they were in daycare, they never were around kids to model these behaviors from, right? So it's not like these kids- Maybe they got them from us. Well, there's some behaviors that I know that we never do. Like, do I actually kick my legs up and down mm. when I'm upset? It's maybe more my arms, not my legs. <laughs> yes, you are. My arms, but not my legs. Mm. Like the legs, as we get older, our legs become more like this an attachment to our body. When you, in, in little kids, they use their legs as their third and fourth arm, right? Like they they really think of their legs more so as, as a functional extremity than we do as, as adults. And um, yeah, they kick around, they kick around <laughs> and do all these things. And they, they do the exact same thing that other kids do at the same age, even though they may have never seen a kid the same age do that. So like, it's really normal. These are just normal behaviors. And so um, that's part of a human being's development pro process. And if you think about it in, in the way that if they didn't do that, maybe they're not developing normally. And, mm -hmm. and then it's, it's a lot easier to just kind of step back and be like, you know what? This is just normal. This is what we're supposed to see. And this is what we have to kind of get through. It's not easy. Um, it's just normal. And when you can frame that mindset into thinking that all of these things are just normal and how we interact with it is the only thing that we can control. A lot of things can be way easier. Um, it's interesting when we look at all the childcare people that we've had from teachers and classrooms to mm -hmm. babysitters, they all have one thing in common. They are all relatively calm people. Yeah. They're a teacher, our au pair, our nanny. Like sometimes I'm like, can you be a little bit more proactive? <laughs> but then I think about it, that's not necessarily something that's gonna give them a survival advantage in that career over the long haul. Because if you're uptight and super proactive and wanna get everything done Always on time, anxious. yeah, you're not gonna be able to take care of toddlers. Yeah for a career. You're not gonna be able to do that for 10 years. You're gonna burn out on that job really fast and you're gonna find something else for which that it might actually give you an advantage, right? But 
it's not really that helpful for two-year-olds. So um, it's it's really interesting to watch this. And you look at all the child care takers, like, it's not a surprise, it's not a coincidence, they all have this general similar character trait because that's ultimately what you need. You just gotta be okay with letting them be toddlers. And you know, it's okay for them to have tantrums. That's part of who they are. So just let them have it, let them cool down and uh, move forward. Right, yeah. No, what I've discovered recently is instead of putting uh, Chanel or Kata into timeout, I just put myself in a timeout. I'll go away, go to my room, go mm. to my bathroom. Yeah. And just Kate timeout. calm down myself because yeah. it's much better. It's actually much easier. And, right. Because you me. can control your own actions. Yes. And, and yeah. it helps me and it helps everyone. It helps everybody. <laughs> you, you know, you know, what doesn't help help everybody is, is saying relax. Relax. Just relax. relax. Yeah. I used to have, I used to, yeah, I used to, that used to be the, the, my trigger word is yeah. relax. Just, Just relax. relax. What's, so what's, what's funny though? Speaking of my trigger words, Victor, yeah. What are mine? Let's let's talk about marriage for a second. Oh, I mean, okay. after all, this is the medicine, marriage, and money podcast. Oh, okay. We talked about medicine. We're going to talk about money. Um, so, how have you maintained a successful marriage during all of this? Right during the the toddler, the stage where we didn't know what was going on, the surprise baby that came in a different city, the vomits, the screaming, the tantrums, the complete dependence of two other human beings on you and me. Well, I think that's really helpful for the marriage, frankly. I mean, children can be one of the most difficult strains on a marriage, especially mm -hmm. when people don't agree on how to do things. Um, but, you know, all relationships get stronger through challenges and working together. Have we always agreed on? How oh, we, we disagree on like everything. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Our goals are usually very similar, but our our ways of achieving these goals often aren't the same. Um, sometimes I just have to say, I'm going to take care of something and you have to let me take care of it. And other times you're going to have to take care of things and I just let you take care of it. Um, sometimes that's just the best solution. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. Successful marriage by we each take care of separate things, have the same goals, the same values. We might just get there a little bit differently, right? That's what the math teacher always wanted to you to write down is like the, all the steps on the way to the solution. Cause it wasn't actually, Oh, the proofs. Yeah. The proofs. Oh, the geometry proofs, yeah. but that's completely logical. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's different. Yeah. So, okay, let's get to your favorite question, your last favorite final question, Victor. Do you have any financial tips or have you learned anything different about finances by having children or for current fathers? Like, you know, things you would you would tell current fathers or new fathers, expecting fathers? Well, that's interesting. Um, a lot of people's financial beliefs come from how they were raised. Um, one of the things that I want to instill in our children is the ability to create money and to have it be limitless and that they're in control of it. Like I want them to be able to go out and, you know, you can do like a lemonade stand or you can be creative and do other things and find ways to, to make money and, and hustle and go out there and know that you're not limited by anything. Okay. But 
our kids aren't quite old enough yet to really go out there as, and be entrepreneurs. Although Shanilla does like to get coins for things. And purple there was coins. Purple coins? That's our favorite color. There was this little story <laughs> that I'd like to share because at one point we had a you know we have a piggy bank and and Lola grandma started giving her coins that she could put into her piggy bank. And so she got really excited to get coins. <laughs> and then Mama Kate once said, yeah, go find coins. Anything you find, you can put in your piggy bank. <laughs> and then, and then Shinola decides, well, not decides, she's looking, she's really motivated sometimes to do things. And she finds my stash of dollar bills that I use to do my talks. So she had this gigantic stack of money. I don't know how many dollars it was, but she brought it back and she showed it to mom. All the money she found. <laughs> she started folding them all up into little tiny rectangles and sticking them in the piggy bank. So instead of like finding nickels between the couch cushions or in her car seat, she found dollar bills. At least they were dollar bills. Right. I mean, yeah, you don't use $100 bills. Not for my demonstrations. When you're doing your demonstrations. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a very lucrative day for her. Um, she probably realized that panhandling can be a lot more efficient than, you know, working a hourly wage job. That might have been her first lesson in entrepreneurialism. And that's something we actually probably need to start doing now that she's about to turn four, right, is commissions. Yeah, there's a lot of different things we can do. Now, financial tips for newer current fathers. So before people even get there, I want to kind of rewind. I think the most important thing to, to think about before having family and children is, I hate to use the B word, but to plan your cash flows based on future expenses. Because so many people, once they start getting a paycheck and they're young, single, independent, they're like, oh, discretionary money. Um, I mean, yeah, you might be living on your own and paying for your apartment, but you think that every other dollar that you're not paying to put a roof over your head or feed yourself is discretionary money. Well, it could be. I mean, you should be saving some for yourself, but ultimately you're going to have expenses in the future that are going to be there, and they're going to be there for a long time. And if you inflate your lifestyle to a point that, those are not considered, then you're going to have to deflate your lifestyle when it happens. So I really encourage any new person who is coming into a bigger income to plan on all of the future maximum expenses that there could be in the next however long, 20 years, and plan on that. Like if you're planning on having kids, and it's not that far down the road, and if you have three kids in daycare, all at the same time, that can get pretty expensive. That could easily be $5,000 a month. And that's on top of all of your other expenses. And so if you took your income and inflate your lifestyle, and now you have to find $5,000 extra, then that has to come out of somewhere. If you are saving $5,000 a month, well, now you're not saving anything. If you're saving less than 5,000, now you got to find a way to take it out of other places. Um, and I think that's the biggest adjustment for people because most people underestimate the costs of a lot of things. Um, like I used to think of, okay, childcare for school, 
nanny, you know, daycare. Au pairs are very inexpensive if you go that route, especially if you have multiple children, if you're willing to sacrifice the space and whatnot. But um, then you have just paying for babysitters, right? So whereas spending a hundred bucks to go out on a Saturday night was an expensive Saturday night when we were poor, hundred dollars is the cost to leave your house now. <laughs> And then go spend more. <laughs> and then you spend a lot more money on the way out after, you, after you've already left. So there are a lot of expenses um, that we don't really necessarily think about. Kind of like when people say, I'm going to buy a house, and they think that the mortgage is the cost of the house. That is just the beginning of the cost of the house. Um, in property tax, those are all just the beginning. You have to deal with the maintenance, insurance. repair, insurance, all the surprises, the time and energy it takes to maintain that house, that property, um, those are a lot more than most people who are new homeowners ever expect. So for the new parent, new homeowners, there'll be a lot of surprises. You don't have to buy a lot of things new. Most everything you can buy for your kid, you can buy from somebody else who's had a kid who's already worn it in for you. So you, you can buy things often like half the price and you can get rid of them at like the same price. So you can get a lot of things, which otherwise could be pretty expensive and really not cost you much. Um, those things you can find a lot of ways to be very resourceful for. But the childcare, yeah, uh, childcare is expensive. If you want to have basically full-time childcare all day, every day, um, I mean, you're running, oh, you could easily run, I don't know, like $8,000 a month for like full-time childcare. That's um, a lot more than most people can can really cash flow readily. So um, I would uh, highly and highly recommend planning those future expenses. Even if those expenses do not already exist, live your life as if they do and take all that extra and just save it now while you can. And if you are in the medical field, like both of us and tend to have children at a little bit later age after you're finished school and training, maybe you should consider saving for fertility treatments a lot of my friends a lot of my coworkers have to have have to go over that route and that is not cheap right yeah well i caught you in your element victor we wrapped up totally totally <laughs> in your in your element finances and money i think they're the same thing yes <laughs> finances and money okay. both both of them oh yeah. okay thank you for being on my show once again for the, I guess no, you've been on my show multiple times, but very and happy Father's Day for anybody who's listening. Happy Father's Day to my father. Happy Father's Day to Lolo and Pop G and all the other fathers. Any closing remarks? Well, thank you. It's fun to be a father again. Um, every year on Father's Day, it's always exciting that I get to celebrate this day. Happy Father's Day to my own father. And this will be coming out the day after Father's Day. It's Father's Day Monday. So kind of, kind it, of like this um, is Father's Day Monday. Yeah. And you can celebrate it for the rest of the month, pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, I might be a father four times over now, or by by Sunday. Probably not. Probably not. We we shall see. Such a fabulous show. Before we finish up, don't forget to visit locumstory.com or drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash locumstory to get real, unbiased answers to all your locum tenants questions. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. 
The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.